0: Do you know how to change the oil on your vehicle? Can you determine if your transmission is slipping? Well, now you can. The Saturday Morning Grease Monkey Show is now on the Tantalk Radio Network. Every Saturday morning, get the expert tips and motoring schooling that you need from our automotive expert, Tim Gibson, from Tim's Performance Service Center in Tarpon Springs. Brought to you by Tim's Performance Service Center. Bigger, or small, they fix them all. Tim's Performance Center, 906 Verona Place, Tarpon Springs. Call 727-543-1601 or check them out online at TimsPerformanceAuto.com. And don't miss the Grease Monkey Show. Every Saturday morning from 10 to 11, here on the Talk Radio Network.
1: Get your motor Ford GT 5.0 convertible in pearl white, black leather interior with 435 horsepower. It comes with all the modern amenities. Push button starting, if you're into that sort of thing. And if you want iconic, you've got it. On this National Mustang Day, what could be more American? <laughs> now, how's that feel? My guest today is Varsity Ford sales and leasing expert Shannon Catlett. Now go ahead, pedal in. Oh, God. And this is reporters in a car making deadlines. You know what? The best part about driving a Mustang, you get to wear sunglasses while you're driving it, too. <laughs> <laughs> it sells itself. I mean, it's been out since 1964. The memories that people have with it, uh, you know, I think it was introduced at the World's Fair site, you know, what, for 53
2: years ago today.
1: It's history and Ford's future. The car, a celebrated masterpiece where every driver can be the master of his or her own domain. Heck, Shannon isn't just selling me on it, he owns one, and so does his mother. Everybody in the family has got to have the GT. Oh, that's the only way to go, isn't it? It's about the memories that it makes
2: for itself. Each person, you know, they're going to say, you know, back when I was 16 years old, I had a blue one of these, you know. Do you guys have a blue one now? You know, it's it's things of that nature, it really
1: is. This car has changed with time, but it still has the look you remember. Models have come and gone. Hit that gas. (laughs) but the feeling you get behind the wheel has never changed and that's what national mustang day is all about you know i was having so much fun here at varsity four today i almost forgot about the coffee part of the equation jerry seinfeld usually does that right sorry just having a lot of fun on mustang day for reporters in cars making deadlines i'm matthew smith
0: tonight on nostalgic cars and radios it's no it's nostalgic radio and cars oh yeah that's right is she there i think she's there hello
2: Everybody, this is Bob Marsha
0: with Fox Sports. Normally I'm at the racetrack with the Barrett-Jackson auctions for television. But if I'm not, I'm going to be listening to nostalgic radio and cars, and I hope you will too. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Greener and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google, Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you have missed any of our past shows, you can check out our archive show, archive show, archive page, where all our 401 shows are on a podcast. So, anyway... Good evening, Vaughn. You got your headset on there? Can you hear me? Vaughn uh, is our... yeah. I'm about to put it on right now. About to put it on right now. Okay. You're, uh, uh, he's our new board engineer, and he's still going through the learning curve, but he's doing a pretty good job, so we'll give him a big round of applause. There we go. See? Big round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, at any rate, poor kid's got a Mopar. And, you know, what I always tell you about Mopars, Mopar, no car, you know, so and he's uh, got no car today. <laughs> thumbs up. Thumbs up. So we got a 2005 Mustang GT convertible and I'm trying to sell him that. I think that'd be a good car for him. Speaking of which, uh, where was I today? Well, today I had to take a little cruise up to uh, up a couple counties and uh while i was up there i was stopping in a couple of shops and there's a shop that i met up there or that i met that i ran into up there and the sign's very vague you know i mean you shouldn't say vague it's just very plain very basic and the sign on the side of the building says speed shop so i thought wow speed shop let me go check that out but in the driveway kind of like a hint was uh 66 67 chevy 2 sitting on the trailer behind a chevy truck and uh so uh well what did i do i naturally had to turn around and go check the place out well the place is called custom cars custom cars and uh, the guy's name's joey so we got to talk a little bit you know and all i saw was chevrolet stuff all over the place you know junk chevrolet motors junk chevrolet trannies big block junk small block junk you know just junk junk chevrolet junk you know stuff you find out in the woods kind of like you know and you're uh, basically junkyard chevrolet stuff you know now I can say that, you know, I can say that because today is National Mustang Day, and for all you guys that have owned your Mustangs for the last fifty-five, is it fifty-five years? Something like that. Yeah, uh, April seventeenth, nineteen sixty-four. 64 and a half 65 anyway rolled off the assembly line if you're paying attention to the uh, little clip we played earlier anyway uh so as it turns out the guys and i start talking a little bit next thing you know, i find out the guy's a ford guy he's got a 2006 mustang with a thousand horsepower 1000 horsepower on tap a pair of turbos it's got a 5.4 modified in there we're not talking a four-six-three, 6 three, but we're talking a 5-4 and uh pretty cool piece and um yeah when you listen to it it's just as docile as could be just sits there and goes "Mm," you know but when you uh light it up a little bit boy does it turn into a tire scorcher so a big shout out to our new friend joey up there and um let's see the name of his place is called custom cars yeah i did say that before anyway so if you want to give him a shout he builds race engines it's three five two four two eight oh eight six nine speaking of which how about uh Time to go to the Florida Car Shows Minute here. And uh, what's going on this weekend? Well, we had Barrett-Jackson this past weekend. Unfortunately, I had something come up, and I couldn't go to Barrett-Jackson. But I'm sure a lot of guys uh, had a chance to watch that on TV, and it's some pretty cool cars on there. In fact, we had uh, John Stalupi on last week, and John had uh, something like, I don't know, a couple, two, three hundred cars that he was running through there because he was... Um, getting ready to change the cars in his museum. He does that every five, six, seven years. He basically creates a theme, has these life-size dioramas in there, really, really amazing things. One of the things that was really cool Is about uh, five, six years ago, whenever it was, he had uh, just this really cool uh, merry-go-round in there that was worth millions, just a really cool piece. I think it actually came, don't hold me to it, but I think it was like from Coney Island or something like that. Of course, he's a New Yorker. He's from Long Island or Brooklyn or someplace like that. So, you know, that was uh, a piece of his childhood. At any rate, uh, so now he's coming up with a new theme, and that's, uh, that remains a big surprise. So also this weekend, this coming weekend, is the uh, Walter Mitty HSR Vintage Car event. Let's see. This would be the third Saturday of the month. I think we've got the uh, uh, DuPont Registry Cars and Coffee. Uh, the Villages has got their event every third Saturday of the month. It's up there in uh, the Villages in uh, Leesburg. Big shout-out to our friends up there at WQBQ. And uh, they're probably tuned in tonight. In fact, I think they're doing a live remote someplace. Plant City, I think they have a car show every third Saturday of the month. That's uh, a lot of fun. The Porsche Swap Meet, all Porsche car, Porsches only swap meet in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And of course, today is National Mustang Day. I'm gonna give a big shout out. You know, we love to eat, and this uh, friend of mine's got this uh, restaurant over there in Largo on East Bay. No, it's not on East Bay. It's actually in Allentown, right across from the Sheriff's Department. It's called Sardo's Pizza. So uh, we got some great pizza, and they're talking about doing a car show. So we were joking around, you know, maybe pizza and pipes. You know, it's kind of, it's not original, but, you know, pizza and pipes, pizza and loud pipes. And uh great food over there. Give them a call, 727-581-9200 at 727-581-9200. Don't forget our good friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue, which is 501-9090 on West Bay Drive, 426 West Bay Drive. So think 426 Hemi, West Bay Drive. Largo Shoe Repair. Yes, you know what? I'm one of those old schoolers that when I wear holes in my loafers, I gotta have my shoes fixed. So I go over there and shout out to my friends over there, Jake at uh, Largo Shoe Repair. In fact, he's fixing some soles for me right now. Man's got soul. That's right, he does. Actually, he's got a cool sign on there. I can't remember what it was. Something about heel or so, soul. I have to memorize that and then uh, run that on the run that on the air. 727-581-2166, 727-581-2166, that's Largo Shoe Repair. And, of course, you know me, I'm always messing around with something, so I always need nuts and bolts and screws. And I use a lot of stainless on my cars because I like stainless because it doesn't generally rust. And if it's someplace where it's going to be exposed, you know, it looks kind of cool. So I like something nice. Hey, and the about stainless, stainless buffs. So if you need nuts, bolts, screws, miscellaneous fasteners, hey, yeah, even if you need nails for your nail gun, get my good friends down there timmy and them at uh tri-city bolt and screw on us 19 that's tri-city bolt and screw 727-546-4411 727-546-4411 that's 727-546 i'll get it right 4411 that wraps up that and of course tonight at ace cafe is national mustang day celebration all the ford mustangs there in fact from what i understand my son was telling me that uh, if you get there in time, you might be lucky to get a big, juicy, tasty, scrumptious, delicious slice of Mustang pie or cake. Maybe it's a Mustang cake. That's what it is. Anyway, something along those lines. All right, so I think we got uh, – did I miss anything? Well, you know, it's funny. This, uh, this, uh, I was up at this other guy's shop up in uh, Crystal River. Steve Cooley, he's got some pretty cool stuff. He specializes in 40 to 47 Cadillacs. He does some amazing restoration up there. You know, there's a lot of guys that do some pretty cool stuff, West Coast Customs or West Coast Classics. They're up there in, uh, in the, just north of Wikiwachi. He moved into his new location right now. He's done some award-winning cars, SEMA-quality cars. You know, a lot of these guys. And Cooley, Cooley does Pebble Beach-quality cars. So the thing that amazes me is in Hernando and Citrus County, the amount of old cars, and occasionally in Lake County, the amount of old cars I see running around. And I think it's mainly due to the fact that there's just not a lot of traffic up there, you know. So today when I was up there rolling around, I was Camaros, Firebirds, Corvettes, Mustangs, all kinds of cool stuff driving around. A couple of British cars were bowling down the road. And, uh, of course, today is was a really, really nice day. Today's perfect. Today, yesterday, perfect convertible weather. So uh, I think everybody's out, just out there having a good time. And uh, But check out FloridaCarShows.com. You want to find out where all the car shows are, whether you're in Citrus County, Hernando County, Pasco County, Pinellas County, Orange County, Seminole County, Lake County, uh, West Palm Beach County, or Palm Beach County, Broward County, uh, all up and down the East Coast, West Coast, FloridaCarShows.com. That's where you want to check that out. Now, I think we got something queued up on the table here, on the turntable, I should say, turntable. So turn up your AM radios, your transistors. And here is probably the all time classic, fitting classic for today, the National Mustang Day. Slow your Mustang You're tuned into the subterranean cars, don't touch that dial.
1: Hey, I'm Dave Despain from Wind Tunnel on Speed. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
0: Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey, this is uh, your show host, Robert. So, uh, what do we got going on? Let's see. This past weekend, not only was the uh, Bear Jackson, but out if you were in California, the Long Beach Grand Prix was going on. But what they had this year is they had the uh, vintage races out there, and uh, or kind of like a uh, Trans Am vintage race reunion and uh so they had probably two of the most uh, iconic american race car drivers still around with us and that is uh, parnella jones and george fulmer now our guest is going to be coming on here in a little bit is uh, friends with them. i had the opportunity of meeting both george fulmer we did a little interview with him and we had parnella jones on our show too a number of years ago. So. Uh, it was interesting because we're talking about Trans-Am racing. Trans-Am racing was really, really raw, crude, and hardcore. I mean, it was like in my, my two favorite racing series out of the 60s and 70s, primarily the 60s, was Trans-Am racing and Can-Am racing. Because in Can-Am, there really weren't any rules. So a lot of innovation, development, technology that came out of, out of Can-Am racing. Trans-Am was more... To sell cars because there were Trans Am Mustangs, Trans Am Camaros, Trans Am Firebirds, Trans Am Mopars, you know, all those kind of cars. So the cars that you saw on the the showroom were basically the cars with minor modifications. At least that's what we were led to believe, minor modifications. Um, And I'll use a Mustang as an example. For example, you know, Boss 302 Mustang uh, pretty much dominated in 69 and 70. 69 they probably would have won, but they piled up six or seven cars because one of the cars had – the lead car had an oil leak and uh and seven and, and camaro won in 69 and then 70 the uh the transient Boss 2 won clearly 68 i believe the mustang won no maybe it might have been the camaro but it was real close between the cougar and the mustang i can't remember 66 i think the mustang did win 67 can't remember might have been camaro i know 67 68 i can't remember exactly because i know the Penske's were in there and they were you know the old saying cheat cheat, hard to beat and, uh, and they really did. They had cheetah cars. In fact, what they did in 68, Penske basically used the 68 car as a test. No, they used the 60 – let me think here. They had two cars. They either used the 68 car – to qualify because they knew that car would be checked. And then when they raced, they actually raced the 67 car, The 67 car from a distance. You couldn't really tell them apart because it took the vent windows and all the trim and everything on like that. And the 67 car was a complete cheater, lightweight car with hollowed-out suspension and body parts and extra fuel lines and who knows what else was in there. In fact, what's interesting is we're going to have a guy come on our show here probably in the next month or so. His name is Bill Ryan. And Bill Ryan, Bill's um, his specialty is, is Winston Cup cars, particularly cars out of the 70s 80s and early 90s and he was telling me he says you know it's just amazing how creative some of these guys were because you don't really know how serious the cheating was and it's really not cheating until you get caught or until they make a rule and you break it so other than that it's just let's just call it innovation so when he takes these cars apart That's when he discovers some of the really cool, innovative stuff that these guys incorporated in their race cars. And so I'm looking forward to having him on the show and talk about that. Well, let's use the 70 Trans Am Mustang. The 70 Trans Am Mustang, if you look at the car and you put a template over it, it actually fits the car. But what people don't realize is the front shock towers, inner wheel wells, they actually took a wedge out of it, which sloped the nose down a little bit. It wasn't much. It was only maybe three-quarters of an inch, an inch maybe, or something like that. But that wedge was able to give the car uh, a lower snout and then give the car a little bit more aerodynamics. And, and, of course, the back end of the car, they widen it, and they raised the rear spoiler on the deck lid, which you couldn't tell unless you had an identical one right beside it. So basically, but it fit, it fit the template. So the end caps and the, and the rear deck lid actually had a higher spoiler on it, which created more downforce. Then the wheel wells were actually arched out. They were actually sectioned. And they were widened. So the car was completely different. So if you look at a bonafide Trans Am car, 69, 70, let's say Mustang. I'm using that as an example. Uh, amazing differences when you put the two, a stock car, stock Boss 302 and a, and a Trans Am Boss 302 side by side. Never mind the stance and all the other stuff, you know, plus all the suspension modifications that they did to the car. So the guys were pretty creative. And that's what racing is all about. And ultimately what happens is all the racing technology – And particularly today, you know, this translates into street cars and production cars, and this is what makes our cars safer, faster, quicker, uh, stop better, more reliable. Now, the other stuff that they're doing in in terms of technology, for example, you know, with uh, some of the safety stuff and and all the high-tech electronics and stuff in there that, like – And I'm not into autonomous cars, so I won't even go there yet. But, you know, they have like the lane control and some of the other stuff and the braking sensors and stuff. Uh, You know, listen, here's the thing that concerns me. If you get the cars to the point where they're too, uh, where they have the ability to to pretty much drive themselves, uh, the driver is going to be reliant. On that, And he's not going to pay attention to what he's doing. And then if something malfunctions, he's not going to know what to do, as in the case with the guy that uh, piled up and burned up in the Tesla here not too long ago. But anyway, hey, I think what we're going to do is we're going to call our guest. We're going to play another song here real quick. And uh, this is one of my favorites out of the 70s. A little Alice Cooper for you. And uh, it's called Caught in a Dream. This is off there. Uh, I'm 18. Um, hey, you're tuned. It's Nostalgia getting Cars. Don't touch the dial. We will be right back with our special guest for the evening. I read about that JC's Cars Out Ascot, wasn't it? Yes. But here's the clincher. Four more expensive cars we insured were stolen. If they're not recovered within 30 days, we stand to lose $150,000. You read about that JC's Cars Out Ascot, wasn't it? Yes. But here's the clincher. Last night, someone stole Parnelli Jones' big Ole Bronco, which we insure for $100,000. And if it's not recovered within 15 days before the race, we stand to lose a quarter of a million.
2: I bet the odds against that are one in 10,000.
0: One in 22,000. I'll bet
2: underwriting is just delighted. Oh, yeah. Mr.
0: Jones can see you now. Hi, everybody. This is David Hobbs, racing driver and speed commentator. And you're listening to Nostalgia Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned in to Nostalgia Radio and Cars. And it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This is a gentleman I met a number of years ago. Man, that's been a long time. It's hard to believe the time flies. Anyway, but he was hanging out at the uh, St. Pete Grand Prix, and uh, we were both there kind of hanging out the media room, and then we got to talk a little bit, and he told me a little bit about what he does. And uh, he used to be in racing. He was an SCCA guy, been a uh, radio commentator, He's uh, worked for Mario Andretti, which he was uh, gracious enough to help me facilitate me to uh, meet Mario Andretti and to get Mario Andretti on my show. And he also is uh, working on his new book. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening my buddy, my good friend, Eddie Lapine. How you doing, Eddie? Hey, Robert. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you very much for coming on the show this evening. Tell us a little bit about Eddie Pine. What is Eddie Pine all about?
2: Um, Eddie Lapine is uh, motorsports. And car racing. Okay. Uh, 35 years. I've kind of, I've done pretty much everything you can imagine uh, in the world of racing. And uh, we I would just recently raced Daytona two weeks ago in the uh, Champ Car Race, they call it. It was the old Champ Car Series. We ran a 14-hour race there in a BMW 325i. Finished 21st out of 128 cars, so... Still like to uh, suit up and get on the track and race and, uh, you know, just been a part of racing my whole
0: life. It's funny you mentioned suit up and be a part of racing. Tell us a little bit about some of the, uh, one of the things that you're kind of known for and I've seen you around, well, that's kind of how we kind of met a little bit too, is uh, you sell racing, if I said, if I use paraphernalia, Souvenirs—is is that kind of descriptive? And and a lot of the stuff is helmets and suits and and autographs and pictures and photos and and all kinds of really cool stuff from some very well-known drivers and, and including Ayrton Santa, one of your uh, one of your heroes.
2: Well, I I have uh, I've been selling race uh, merchandise, memorabilia, higher end memorabilia, such as that's how I got kind of started was when I was working on Mario Andretti's trailer. I started selling his race suits and uh, that's how I really got in the business and kind of started my own little business or my own niche uh, for me to go to races and uh, it kind of just spun off and I've been selling for Hurley Haywood, uh, a lot of the portion Audi drivers, Ferrari drivers, mostly sports car world but A lot of F1 stuff over the years, Uh, Graham Hill going back into the 60s, Uh, kind of, uh, I've kind of collected myself, so it kind of justified me buying stuff, you know, to put in my collection and then to sell for drivers, and it's, it's spun off in artwork. I've sold, like, Nick Watts' artwork and done signing with the driver's and and sold it uh, worldwide, and it's kind of turned into like a little niche at the track, and it's it, it's fun. You get to deal with the drivers in a different uh, level, and uh, it's it's just been kind of fun to be able to go to the track and make money versus going to the track and uh, spending money to race.
0: Okay, now let me ask you this. Okay, so you're kind of uh, you're kind of like really immersed in the motorsports you're 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 a driver yourself you're an enthusiast um you're basically you could say kind of in the public relations world since you're a driver and you have a racing background when you talk to the drivers let's just say for example let's say it's Mario Andretti or let's just say it's uh Danny Sullivan or Helio or somebody like that when you talk to these guys and let's just say, you know, you negotiate a deal and you say, look, I'd like to be able to get some of your um, memorabilia to, to be able to pass it on to other racing enthusiasts and stuff like that. Do they look at you in a different way because you're a driver as opposed to somebody that is just, uh, let's say, a typical media person or, um, you know, let's just say a, a spectator uh, or something like that?
2: I, I mean, I write for Racing Nation, so it does give me a different kind of in with them. Mm-hmm and I can talk in racing terms, but uh, there's been other people that have tried to do it. It, it. I think if I had to pick one thing that's kind of helped my career, and it was working for Mario Andretti. I mean, because I think once I started uh, working on his trailer, basically selling t-shirts and hats. That's how I started. And yes. before that, I was a photographer. Uh, when I first really started I covered my first race in Milwaukee in 1981 as a photographer and that's kind of how my career started in it and uh, I got to do it for a while when it was more affordable than now but uh, I I think really just starting on his trailer uh, with the man that did the merchandising for Mario which was Larry Hulk, a good friend of mine and he passed away uh, a number of years ago of cancer, and uh, he kind of really helped me along with this type of business, and uh, when you can go to, I mean, that's how it kind of started with Hurley Haywood, I, when I was selling his stuff when he raced for Brumos Porsche, and these drivers kind of saw that I was the person that was doing it, and that's kind of how it was an end. I mean, if you're selling Stuff that Mario Andretti wore in the '70s. You must know what you're doing. I think.
0: Okay. Yeah. No way. Hey, there's, there's not a better reference than Mario Andretti. Now, you, uh, when you talk about Milwaukee, are we talking the Milwaukee Mile as far as Indy? Or are we talking, let's say, close by Elkhart Lake, as in far as GT? So, you, obviously, you're a fan of both GT racing and, and Formula One or Indy car yeah. as well, right?
2: Yeah, Indy Car, Formula One, sports car. I mean, even NASCAR sports. Uh, that's kind of how I got my basic start was in photography, and that's when I went to school. I was like, "Well, how am I going to get to the races or go to the races?" And that's how I started at Midwest Racing News, and it was I covered some NASCAR races, and I went to Nashville and saw Dale Earnhardt run back in the day. And it was a thrill to be that close. And it was a completely different world back then. Uh, It was just, it was a lot more open. Now it's so commercialized. And so, you know, everybody's got to follow the guidelines that are set down. And I've seen that transition. And it's affected, you know, when you see these drivers, when they get out of the car and they pick up a Coca-Cola and it's pointing to the camera. I mean, there's actually a school that teaches all this etiquette for them to promote products, and it's really evolved into a big money-making thing, and you see it in every type of of racing.
0: So what you're saying, basically, so that my listeners get this, when one of the race car drivers gets out of a car, he's basically instructed to take whatever the product is that he's promoting whoever one of the sponsors are on the vehicle, let's say Coca-Cola, for example. He's got to get out. He's got to hold that can a certain way and turn because somewhere, somehow, there's a camera on him, and obviously, they want to get as much exposure as possible, which is kind of interesting. Which It's,
2: it's totally. If you watch a NASCAR or any type of racing, mm-hmm. any car, you'll see them put their product. That's what they're getting paid to do now. And back in the day, they never really, there was never anybody to do that as they were. And if you want to get back in, the person that really started the advertising was Hal Needham. I don't know if you remember yes. him. Yes, yes. With Smokey and bandit. bandit movies. and mm-hmm. he, he basically started uh, promoting, uh, it was at the time, school. Uh, tobacco and they were putting it, they put it on their transporter and that's kind of how it, it took off. He was a real promoter and, and started marketing and that's how those products really got up on TV and to the forefront was because of him. And it was, it had a lot to do with his TV background. I mean, he had a, he owned a race and he was in the movie business. So what better way, to promote products and to get money to race is if you show those on TV and get them out there to the product so they, they
0: can sell them to the well, public. Yeah, well, like, okay, for example, in the 70s, you know, you had the uh, Camel GT races. That's what we went to on uh, Daytona and Sebring. You know, that's all the road races. And then Winston Cup was the Winston Cup races. The cars, like you said, didn't really have – weren't really running – billboards they might have had an elder sticker, sticker harley sticker a hooker header sticker on it you know or something like that that's about all you saw but you didn't see any real big graphics like you said that didn't start until in the 80s and then the complete car was basically you know the skull banded car or the gatorade car or the mellow yellow car or something like that right so am i am i am i am i getting you right here
2: Oh, you're right on, right on track. I mean, okay. that's basically how it came. And you could see it like Daryl Walsh with the Pepsi car and the Mount Dew car and all these products found that it was a good way to market the product and sell it to the public. And now what's happened over all these years now is evolved into, you know, you could see how much money's at stake. I remember a few years ago in NASCAR they used to, you know, big, right big checks out. UTS came in and really changed uh, uh, the sponsorship dollars to uh, promote their product. And uh, now that's kind of gone away. Now you're seeing NASCAR, you're even seeing it in IndyCar. I, I interviewed uh, Graham Rahal at Long Beach over the weekend, and I think he said he's going to have like seven or eight different uh, sponsors on the car. So it was kind of funny because we were talking about uh, Courtney Force, who is his wife, John Force's daughter, about how he's got to lay out his clothes so he doesn't forget to wear the right clothes for the right weekend. So it it really changed into where these it, it might work out for these sponsors to be at Long Beach, for example, for their product. And that's why you're seeing regional sponsors on cars like that at certain races. And it's it's really
0: changed a lot. Tell me about the drivers. Now, you've been around some of the most uh, legendary and famous drivers. And I'm going to use, I think, you know, you were at Long Beach this past weekend, and they had the uh, historic Trans Am, kind of like a reunion type thing or or races there. And you had the opportunity to hang out with uh, George Fulmer. Who I've met and who's been a guest on our show, and Parnella Jones also been a guest on our show. Which, in my opinion, are the two most legendary Trans Am drivers still around. Never, you know, notwithstanding, you know, Dan Gurney, um, Mario Andretti, I think raced a few times. Uh, Mark Donahue, obviously, you know. So tell us what, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your, uh, you know, George Fulmer and uh, Parnella Jones. And there was this, even though they both raced Ford, there was a rivalry, but there was also a camaraderie there.
3: Oh, I mean, when you think about it,
2: I mean, it was an incredible weekend because I'm really into the history of the sport. Mm-hmm. The guys like Phil Hill, and like you said, we lost Dan Gurney last year, and I was at the dinner last year last year at Long Beach, and Dan Gurney and A.J. Boyd were there to celebrate 50 years of them winning the Mall for Ford. Mm-hmm. And GT. And, uh, you know, it was just, you know, we lost him. And this year now they had that historic Trans Am. And just, I mean, those were the cars. I mean, I had a 70SS Chevron back in the day. And those were the cars that these guys raced. Camaros, the Javelin, uh, and the Camaro that uh, George Fulmer and Mark Donahue raced for Penske. And Parnelli Jones driving the Mustang. The Boss Mustang, I mean, those cars back then, they made muscle cars back then. And the whole uh, philosophy came up. What wins on Sunday sells on Monday. Yes. And and that's what the people were buying back then, those cars. And it was just so neat. And I want to just say it was cool to, to hang out with these two legendary Guys, because it was funny, because after the end of the weekend, George Fulmer's like, you know, Eddie, I mean, this is the last time we're probably going to be together. The next time you're going to see me is at my funeral. You know, I mean, they're very, I mean, they're 85 years old, and they're very slow, and he's right. I mean, that's what happened to Dan last year when he passed away, another legendary American driver. People, you know... I was there a few years ago to bring George Fomer to the Road Racer's uh, driver's uh, dinner at Long Beach when they honored him. And you want to talk about a guy that's so underrated. If you want to get a good book, it's The American Wheelman. That's the name of the book, and it's George Fomer's life story. And this is a gentleman that won the championship in 1972 uh, in Trans Am, he won the championship, and he won the championship for Porsche in Can-Am in the 917 l and car. And uh, you'll never see anyone win in that type of category two championships in one year. And, and this is an era that many people were killed along the way.
0: Well, you know, so, yeah. Well, Mark Donahue, Let's see, what was it ninety or seventy-three? Is that when Mark was killed? And, yeah, and he was killed and in he, testing.
2: Yes, exactly. But and just, that's kind of what George took over the wheel from Mark when he broke his leg for Penske. They called him up, they threw him in the car, and he jumped in and he won. And you know, you just don't see. You know, I mean, the safety has changed so drastically to now how it is for racing versus back in the day, even when you talk to Mario about when they used to race the Formula One races and they used to lose, you know, four or five guys a year at times in certain years. And it's, the safety has changed so much.
0: Well, you know, and the other thing, too, is like you talk about the drivers when we had Parnelli Jones on and Mario Andretti and that you talk about. Mario and Parnelli, to me, were very aggressive drivers. You look at someone like Dan Gurney and George Fulmer, they were very fluid, okay? Just kind of like a very smooth, fluid kind of a driver. But the fact that those guys, like Parnelli and and Mario and and George and and, and everybody said, we could get out of—all we wanted to do was race. We wanted seat time. That's basically what he said. So if I was running a stock car, a roundy round car, a Formula One car, an Indy car, a Can-Am car— a Trans Am car, it didn't matter. Those guys had just natural, raw talent. By comparison, today, I don't think the drivers can do that because they rely too much on electronics, and the cars kind of self-drive themselves a little bit. So I don't think the drivers today are anywhere close to the men and the wheel men that we had back in the old days. What's your thoughts?
3: Oh,
2: definitely. I mean, when you ask George Belmore about traction control, he says, yeah, the traction control we had back then was my right foot. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there was no electronic aids. Now, you know, to step back, driving is really, I mean, when you look at the speed that they're doing and the G-forces that they're pulling and how fast they're going, when you look at the, when you try to compare the track time, the, the lap time on some of the tracks you can, and you know, some of the newer cars, like the Audi uh, TDI diesel, that got so much black, But the race car that won them all, the 24-hour race at most part, was, has shattered the record at most part. And it was, like, five seconds faster than a 401 One car from the 70s. And uh, the track never changed. So, I mean, there is a lot of different, you know, I mean, there's... There's a lot of parallels, but there's a lot of different things that have happened over the years with the, from the speed and, and driving the cars. When you watch those old DVDs of Formula One races, you don't see the cars like they are now, where they're stuck to the track, pulling the G-loads that they're pulling, like spaceships, basically. <laughs> and back then, you're watching them. Trying, I mean, they're just, like, very twitchy. Uh, you know they had a lot of rubber, but they were very loose. And you know it's, that's what the Trans Am cars. That, that's 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 why the parallels of the street cars and the race cars, and people love the muscle cars to this day. It's, you know, you know, Robert, when you go to these these car meets, that they, they bring these cars out, and it those old muscle cars, They're, they get more attention than anything.
0: This is true. This is true. Eddie, tell us a little bit about uh, the photography book that you're working on. Now, is that a culmination of your work, or is that a collaboration between you and somebody else?
2: No. uh, Jack Webster, it's called Racing Pilot, and it's actually racingpilot.com. You can go to the website. Uh, It's 45 years of uh, Jack Webster's photography, Mm -hmm. and uh, I've kind of... He is like my partner with writing, and he's the main photographer. I mean, I shot 80s and a little bit in the 90s and i i do pick up once in a while a camera but uh he's been shooting since 1971 most board and i'll tell you the book is just amazing
3: uh the
2: not only the photography but like the quotes the driver quotes that are in the book it's it's a really nice book and it's it's reasonably priced i mean and if you want to take a look, there's some sample pictures on the website to look at it. But it's it's amazing to see someone do something. And he, he just shot at Daytona with me this year after 45 years. Now, I don't know if I'll last that long. Huh. Uh, I'm going on 37, and, you know, I'm still having fun. I still enjoy going to the races, and I, I'm, I'll be at about 20 events this year.
0: So... Huh. Do you do most of the events just strictly here in the United States, or do you go over, overseas and abroad? I mean, do you go to Europe, do you go to South America, Canada, obviously Mossport, which is in Canada. and uh... Right.
2: I covered uh, Montreal, uh, and I go to Canada. I have, I have to say that I really feel like I have not been to Mans and Goodwood. Those are the two things. It's just I have a lot of things going on here, so it's kind of just uh, – limited my schedule because it's not like you could just go to Le Mans for the weekend basically. So it's hard uh to you know to just travel. I it's it's on my bucket list. How's that,
0: Robert? That's fair, that's fair. Well now you know speaking of Le Mans and uh we have two big races coming up here. We got uh the Indy 500 coming up and we have the 24 of Le Mans. And let's see the Indy is in May and Le Mans is also May, isn't it?
2: No, Lamar's in June. June, June? okay. And
0: it's, yeah,
2: June. I don't have the dates in front of me, but it's about the third week of June. Okay. 15th, or, yeah. Because, and you were just saying about drivers, and I, I want to just quick interject this. There's a driver that uh, some of the people might be familiar with, like, because he did race at St. Pete in the yellow Porsche Spider DHL cars, Roman Dumas. And, uh, Here's a driver that is a driver from the 70s era, basically. Uh, if you want to look him up, he is amazing. He, he will be doing Le Mans again. He's, he won it in 2016 for Porsche. He won it in 2010 for Audi. And he won it again in GT in Porsche. And he'll be driving a GT3 this year at, at uh, Le Mans. And the following week, he will be doing Pikes Peak and going for three in a row at Pikes Peak, and he's going to be driving the Volkswagen electric car.
0: Oh, really? So, what, what's his and, name? What's his name again?
2: Roman Dumas, and it's D-U-M-A-S. Yeah. And the following week, he will be doing the IMSA race at Watkins Glen, the six-hour race. So three weeks in a row. He will be, I remember two years ago, I was with him at Le Mans. I mean, he was at Le Mans, and then I met him at Pike's Peak, and he won Pike's Peak the following week after he won Le Mans. So, I mean, and he does rallying. And, uh,
0: now is he a young person or is he an older person that just has a He's lot- getting
2: a little bit. Uh, I mean, he raced for Penske. He won the championship in 2007 for Penske. He's been around. He raced for Alex Job.
0: Oh, did he, Alex uh, Job? Okay, out of uh, Tavares, Florida. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, exactly. He he's been around a while. Um, he raced the 919 and he won Le Mans in 2016. If you want to Google a driver that you really don't see a lot about in the state, but he's really amazing when you think about, I mean, driving a 24-hour race, jumping on a plane, and getting to Pike's Peak on Tuesday, and then winning that the next weekend.
0: See, now that's... He's he's of the cloth of... Bobby Unser, Parnelli Jones, you know, and drivers like that that would just get and Mario Andretti and everybody that ran Pikes Peak and ran in the open wheel car, ran closed GT cars. My hat's off to a guy like that. Now, what nationality is he? Is he American or is he he's from... French? Oh, he's no, French. he's French. Okay,
2: he's French, and uh, he's just like I said. When he drove for Penske, he got a lot of notoriety, and he's very. I mean, he's he's incredible. He's an incredible Porsche driver. Wow, and now with with the you know and he with doing uh, Pikes Peak and now Volkswagen and being in the uh, Porsche family and seeing how electric cars seem to be part of the future as you can see from Formula E yep um, Volkswagen is testing uh, electric cars for the road and that's why they're going to Pikes Peak and it's a pretty cool story. And we're actually, I'm actually working on a story to do and have it on Racing Nation about Roman and uh, what he's going to accomplish again this year in doing
0: this. Well, Eddie, we are up against the clock. So why don't you go ahead and give out your website real quick so people can find out more about you and how they can contact you if they want to get any racing memorabilia?
2: Well, my company is Monty Motorsports, and basically I can just give you my number Uh, It's 407-908-2260 if you have any questions on art or anything. I basically am more of a hands-on guy. don't have a website, but please go to racingpilot.com and check out the book. That's something that I just published in the last six months and it, it, it really is amazing
0: well Eddie hey I want to thank you very much for coming on the show tonight hey I want to thank my special guest Eddie Lapine all my listeners don't forget to check us out every Tuesday night here on the Tantalk Radio Network every Tuesday between 7 and 8pm for the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter don't forget to check out FloridaCarShows.com hopefully I will see you at some of the car shows I expect to see you guys at some of the car shows in the meantime everybody stay safe drive carefully and love your family take care everybody
2: Thanks, Robert. to be telling tales out of school, but there's a feller in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can.
3: Downtown Dave.
2: I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker.
3: WTAN, Clearwater.
0: FM, 106.1.
3: WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM, 104.3. Listen.